0: We're going to look at our lesson today. This is the third one in our uh, series of Christmas lessons, and uh, I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope that you uh, enjoy the verses that we're going to be, not me, but the verses, and uh, let that be a blessing to you this morning. Brother Knapp's prayer kind of encapsulated uh, my lesson this morning, and I appreciate that as well. Uh, But you'll see the joy of Christmas today. We're going to look at the shepherds. We're going to look once again at Simeon, and we're going to look at the wise men uh, who all rejoiced to see Jesus. And let me see what uh, my next uh, slide there is. What gives you the greatest joy at Christmas time? As we study this lesson this morning, um, let that thought be in your mind for just a little bit. Uh, what, what gives you the greatest joy? Is it getting a present? Uh, is it the, the beauty of the decorations? Is it the music? Is it uh, time with family and friends? Is it uh, uh, the word of God? Is it the promises of God? Remember, we talked about the blessed hope, and uh, we've talked about the promises of God, and God clearly giving direction as to identifying who the Messiah would be And today, we're going to talk about um, rejoicing in his arrival. And uh, I hope that it'll be a blessing to you. But what brings you uh, the greatest joy? And let's see what the next one is. That's our memory verse. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to begin in verse 8. And it will include our memory verse uh, that we've studied these last three weeks. But uh, I'd like uh, for you to think about... The unbelievable moment that the shepherds enjoyed, a real angel appeared before them. Was it Gabriel? I don't know. But he seems to be the messenger that God uses. Um, he has no name in our text, um, but I would, not, I would not be surprised if it were not Gabriel. But um, nevertheless, um, it was a real angel, and he appeared to real shepherds. And uh, in the eyes of many, the angel should never have appeared to, to shepherds. My word. You know, uh, society considered shepherds as sinners. Why? Well, they were kind of unkempt. They lived out in the wild. Um, they weren't able to observe uh, the, the law regarding their worship. Um, and, and they just were looked as almost like outcasts. In fact, you may remember when Joseph was invited to bring his father and brothers into Egypt, even Egypt looked down on shepherds. All right, well, you can stay over there. All right. Uh, And so it's interesting that God chose to announce the arrival of the Messiah to a group of shepherds. Uh, Again, they were rarely uh, observed praising and worshiping God and they were, looked, uh, they were looked upon as anything but worshipers. Uh, their reputation was lowly at best. Uh, their flocks just kept them too busy. And yet, as a beautiful foretaste of salvation, God chose to announce to this group of, we'll call sinners, uh, the announcement of his son, who has now arrived. And this is the promised Messiah, you know. Jesus claimed that title. In John chapter 10, two times he said, I am the good shepherd, remember? And then the writer of Hebrews called him the great shepherd. And, and so Jesus claimed that title. And it's one of the seven great I am's in the word of God. Well, we come to Luke chapter two and verse eight. <clears throat> now you'll remember uh, in verse eight, it says, and there were in the same country, what country? It's Bethlehem. In the earlier verses of chapter 2, we're told that Joseph and Mary are, came to Bethlehem in order to pay their taxes, all right? In the providence of God, all of these things, as were promised, came to pass. Now we're in verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Have you ever thought about what that scene must have been like? What did it look like? What what does this mean, the glory of the Lord shone round about them? I'm going to suggest that it was the Shekinah glory of God, and that it was in the form of a cloud, why would I choose or suggest that it was a cloud? Well, that's how God was represented in the Old Testament. You remember when he, uh, as he was teaching the Hebrews about his nature, he represented himself as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, all right? Um, and so uh, there's the representation there. Uh, in, uh, also in, uh, in the New Testament, Uh, we have a bright cloud at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Going back into the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory of God was uh, represented, symbolized God's presence in a cloud, and uh, it it rested upon the tabernacle. You remember at the dedication of the tabernacle, they couldn't even go in because of the cloud. All right, and then uh, in the temple, it was manifested over the mercy seat, uh, in the holiest, uh, in the most holy place, and uh, God dwells uh, in unapproachable light upon which no man can look, and the Shekinah glory of God is a light that is so glorious and brilliant there is no need for a sun. There'll be no shadows in heaven. Have you ever contemplated that? God is. Um, 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 which one are omnipresent, got my omnis, had to think, all right? God is omnipresent. God is light, so light is going to be omnipresent. There will be no shadows in heaven. It's going to be a glorious, shining, brilliant place that radiates splendor. And I think that's what the shepherds observed that night. Notice the Bible says that the angel, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Without announcement, they look up, and I believe they saw this bright, glorious splendor in a, in a cloud that appeared before them with an angel in the midst and announced that, uh, that uh, the Savior had been born. And they were so afraid. It was quite a sight. Now, let me think just a moment. Brother Knapp suggested the return of Christ. Let's take this thought of a cloud just a little further, and let me take you to another verse, a couple of verses here, and let's look at them together. These two verses have to do with the second coming of Christ, and I'm, I'm focusing on the cloud. Uh, it's a little bit off the lesson, but I, I got so excited I had to add it, all right? So in Matthew 24 and verse 30, and then shall appear, this is Jesus, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then in 26 and 64, Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Based upon these verses, I believe at the second coming that these uh, the kind of glory of God in the clouds will be represented in the heavens. And I believe as we'll get down to Revelation 1.7 in a minute and every eye is going to see it. But I believe those clouds are going to appear in heaven, and they're going to be unlike any cloud you've ever seen. They're going to be glorious and stupendous. They're going to be bright and amazing. And they're going to part, and what will men on earth see? They're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God, at the right hand of power. And so when the cloud, the curtains of the cloud pull apart, there's going to be Jesus Christ sitting on his throne beside the throne of Almighty God, and the, the world is going to see it. Let me just go ahead through these verses. Here in Mark, we have the same two parallel verses. Mark is a little more succinct than Matthew. Verses are not quite as long, but they're the same. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great uh, power and glory, Mark six uh, fourteen sixty two, and Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now drop down to Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, Amen. Who is on the earth at this time? Unsaved, rejecting men, all right? Who is going to see the Lord on the throne? Well, the Bible says every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. Where might they be? Hell. I believe hell itself will see that event. This is the climactic event of of, uh, human history of God's creation. It's the capstone. And I believe that Shekinah glory will appear in the heavens and it's going to part. We're going to see Jesus Christ himself. We, we'll be there by then. But the unsaved will see Jesus Christ sitting on his throne and the glory of heaven around his throne. I believe they're going to see Jesus Christ get up from the throne with a throng of angels around him and he's, he gets upon his white horse and the armies robed in white with him, which will be us, will follow him as he returns to the earth the second time for his second coming. There'll be great, uh, great clouds like you've never seen before and they will be glorious and it will be a glorious return of Christ. Um, and so... Uh, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Going back to Matthew 24, all the tribes of the earth shall mourn when they see the coming of Jesus Christ from heaven with power and glory. The earth uh, is going to recognize he is God. And it's going to be a great and glorious day for us who know the Lord as Savior. For the unsaved, it is the death knell and the, the voice of doom and eternal judgment and damnation. And uh, Jesus Christ will be coming a second time. That's why I believe his first coming was accompanied by these great and beautiful clouds representing the Shekinah glory of God. Now, let me give you another thought, all right? I also have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17. What event is that? That event is the rapture. That's when we will be caught up to meet the Lord where? In the clouds, all right? I believe on that day there will also be an appearance of of these beautiful clouds of Shekinah glory in the heavens. Jesus Christ himself will not come to the earth, but we will come to him. What will that day be like? I think Elijah is a type of the ascension of Jesus Christ and a type of the the rapture of the saint. Let's review. When Elijah was caught up into heaven, how did that happen? Well, a chariot of fire appeared, and he was caught up in the chariot of fire and a whirlwind as he he ascended, back, as he ascended into heaven. If you'll look at the account of the ascension of Jesus Christ, you have something somewhat similar. I've read a few places, not very many, but I've read a few places where some writers suggest that Jesus was, was picked up in a chariot of fire, just like Elijah, and that the disciples, as they were watching, he was parted from them. And I believe that he was taken up, in, in, just like Elijah was, and taken up into the clouds, the Bible says, into those glorious clouds, and he, he returned to heaven like that. Now, let's talk about the rapture. I think that will be a time of great destruction on earth. Can you imagine that if uh, at the rapture, the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ shall rise first. They will receive their glorified body and that will occur. They will receive their glorified body and they will be made whole in heaven. Then, verse 17, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. They won't be average, everyday clouds. I believe it's going to be a glorious, uh, a glorious uh, appearing there in the sky with the Shekinah glory of God, and I'm going to go so far as to say that you, if you know the Lord as your Savior, will be picked up in a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, and you're going to be carried to heaven too. I can't prove it, but I think it's. I think there are enough people that I've read that agree with me, and I think it's going to leave a world of destruction when all those chariots come flying through, gathering God's children, giving them a royal escort to heaven, into the glorious clouds of God's glory, I think it's going to be a great time. And you know it will, all right? But it'll happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. But it will be an event that cannot be dismissed. They can't come up with just any excuse. However, the Bible says the the ones that remain will believe the lie, all right? Whatever that is. But I believe it's going to be an, uh, a, a, a obviously a rapturous event. But I, my point is the Shekinah glory of God is represented in all of these events. And I believe it was stupendous before the, angel, uh, before the, the shepherds in uh, Luke 2, uh, 8, and 9. And so now let's, let's go to verse 10. <clears throat> and the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, uh, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Well, first of all, what is the city of David? What is the city of David? Well, there are two. In the Word of God, but the first one is Bethlehem. It's also called Ephrata, and Bethlehem is the city of David because that's where David was born. That was where David's um, early home was. It was in Bethlehem that uh, the prophet Samuel anointed Daniel uh, David to be king. Later, after David became king and was established in Jerusalem, Jerusalem then became called and is called today the city of david all right and so but we know this was in bethlehem because we were told it was in the same country all right and the city of david would be bethlehem they were in the in the outskirts out in the in the fields all right and so what was the angel's message a savior christ the lord all right this is the messiah and they, he charged the uh, shepherds to go see him. He said, you'll find him, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What are swaddling clothes? Well, swaddling clothes, or swaddling, means to wrap with strips. And you know the custom there is that if someone dies, they are buried by sunset. And so when one was traveling away from home, they would carry these strips with them, often wrapped around their waist under their clothing. In the event of their death, they would be swaddled, wrapped in swaddling clothes or wrapped in strips uh, for burial. Well, those are the kinds of things that were used uh, to wrap Jesus Christ. And the angel said, this will be the sign you will find a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so it was uh, the spectacular appearance of the heavenly host then follows that. I believe the cloud opened up even more. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In the Bible, host speaks of an army. And often, in regard to angels, they're counted in 10,000 times 10,000. And that's a lot. That's 100 million. But the Bible also adds that they were a multitude. And we know that a multitude cannot be counted. And so what those shepherds experienced was unbelievable. To see this mighty host of angels, and all speaking in chorus, giving glory to God in the highest and calling for peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So the first thing they did was to cry out for glory to God. They wanted to give the glory to God for what God had done. And truly, God had worked through the ages from Genesis 3.15 till that day in bringing forth a son who would be the savior of the world. And so they, the angels, first of all, said, give God the glory for what he's done. Then they cried out for peace and goodwill toward men. Well, that shows up on Christmas cards. It must be good, huh? It is. But we think in, in earthly terms. The angels wanted us to think in eternal terms, in spiritual terms. What was broken when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden? Our peace with God. Our relationship with God was broken. We're separated from God now. And this little baby, who is the promised Messiah, is going to bring peace and reconciliation between God and man, between heaven and earth. And the alienation and the separation will be put away. We can now, as Christians, come boldly before the throne of grace what an amazing thing, and this little baby uh, is responsible for, or is the answer of God for uh, restoring that peace, and then goodwill toward men. We talk about a spirit of unity. We talk about a brotherly love and, and a caring for one another. That's what Jesus Christ brings, and that's, that's what the angels were singing about. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul wrote, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. When Jesus was born, the angels were announcing peace and reconciliation between heaven and earth is now possible. There is one who will break down the wall of separation and that will bring peace and goodwill toward men. And then uh, in verse 15, the excited shepherds seek evidence. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us uh, now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Immediately they responded, let us go now and, and see this. Uh, they rushed uh, to see for themselves They didn't delay. They went with extreme urgency, and they hurried, and they acted, and wasted no time whatsoever. They uh, they went to find the baby just as the angel had said, and then they shared their message. They shared the message. um, They they first experienced seeing the child for themselves, and then they shared that message everywhere they went. Do you think they could? After the glorious splendor of the Shekinah glory of God and the announcement of the angels and the heavenly host, what a sight. And only they had that privilege. And so they shared what they saw, and they were the first to witness to the Savior of the world. And then we come to verse 19. I think verse 19 is is such an understated verse. One that we often just may just read right through. But it is such a profound verse. If you'll stop and think on it for a little while. Stop and think. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was an awe-stricken mother. She was pondering these things. This is a beautiful, humble, trusting heart. Mary had put her full trust into the word of God and what God had promised her. And now that child had been born and Mary knew that this was the Messiah, the very son of God. She knew that with confidence. She knew God had kept his promises and she knew who this baby was. But she'd been through a lot, hadn't she? She'd been through so many things that um, just uh, probably the public shame even, Uh, who knows if that was a fact, Um, but it was was certainly life transforming, and now she's had a visit from some rough-hewn shepherds with an amazing story of a heavenly visit, she's in awe that this has happened, that she's in the center of it, that God chose her, and it's more than she can comprehend. It's an amazing story of the heavenly host proclaiming the praises of God. All of these things were amazing to her. But imagine how tired she is and under the extreme circumstances, um, and yet she was a center of it all. And all of her experiences for the past nine months, all the feelings and the emotions, all of that flowing through her, um, it was a sense of wonder and amazement. And she pondered these things in her heart. Um, All she could do was continue in humble sweetness and had to depend upon the Lord. And uh, she simply bowed her head and once again in humble adoration, thank God for using her to bring the Messiah to the world. And then Luke 2 and verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them, and then eight days were accomplished for the circumcising circumcising of the child. His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This child was named by God himself, and that that name was given before he was conceived. The name Jesus means Savior, or he will save. In the Hebrew, it's the word, it's the name Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. Then we're, we're, we move to Simeon. <clears throat> Simeon rejoiced to see Jesus. We uh, uh, spoke of him last week, a few verses on him this morning, verse uh, Luke 2.22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. This is the verse I was referring to last week when every male child, the birth of every male child was celebrated and there was law, the the law uh, required that um, they be called holy unto the Lord and special sacrifice was given. And so according, to offer a sacrifice according to uh, that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And it was the time for Jesus to be dedicated by the parents. And they're there in the temple. And uh, they, somewhere in the temple, they come across a man named Simeon. We don't know who he is. Some think he might have been a priest, others don't know, we don't know, but he was uh, a a man that was known by God, and uh, we know that he loved the Lord very much, so much that God chose to reveal to him some significant uh, promises for his life as well, and he used Simeon to proclaim the greatest messages of all time the events of this child's life, and the fate of this Messiah's life. Simeon's dedication in verses 25 through 27, uh, he says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the priest brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Five things are said about Simeon. Did you notice? Simeon was a just and a devout man. Simeon was a man that looked for the coming of the Messiah. Simeon was an unusual man in that he was led by the Holy Spirit of God. And Simeon was given an unusual promise; he would see the promised Messiah. And you know, in um, uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter four and verse eight, we have that same promise. Listen to Paul: "Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing." God's already given you that promise. You will see the Messiah if you've received Christ as Savior, and there'll be a crown for you if you look forward to seeing Jesus Christ. And then the fifth thing, Simeon was a man who saw and held the Messiah. God kept his word. God was faithful and true. Now listen to Solomon's, uh, Simeon's proclamation. Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, now... Uh, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for thine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and Mary a, and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And so Simeon speaks of things about this Christ child he took him up into his arms and he proclaimed him to be the long-awaited Messiah. One, the child was God's salvation. As the angel spake, he was the source of peace between God and man. The child was the one appointed to be God's salvation. This is the one who would satisfy all the promises all the way back to Genesis 3.15 that this promised one would be the Savior from our sins. This child, God's salvation, was prepared for just the Jewish people. Is that what that says? No. He was prepared for all people. Simeon saw God's salvation was not for any one people, nation, or group. He was for all people. The Messiah had come to save all people because he's not willing that any should perish. And then, (coughs) excuse me, of the child, God's salvation, was to be a light to the Gentiles and to unbelievers of the world, not just to the Hebrew nation, but to all the world. <coughs> and that is often overlooked, especially, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, in thinking about in the book of Acts, when Peter and the, uh, the apostles debated whether to take the gospel to the Gentiles Here it is right here. This was the promise of God, and Simeon uh, emphasized that. And fifth, the child, God's salvation, was to be the glory of Israel and of true believers. And now notice, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now, here's what he meant. Jesus was either going to be a stumbling stone or a chief cornerstone in every person's life. All right? Jesus is the focal point of all history. Jesus is a focal point of salvation. Jesus is a focal point of all judgment. And so Simeon said, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many In Israel, he is either going to be their savior or their judge. All right. And that's what he's talking about. And then he's going to be a sign which shall be spoken against. You're either saved or you're lost. You've either received Jesus Christ as the Messiah and as your savior or you have rejected him. All right. And so he's going to be a sign which shall be spoken against. And it demands, if you're going to uh, receive Christ and his salvation, it's going to require surrender of your sin and of your past and of yourself and giving yourself to God and trusting his word to save your soul and take you to heaven. Verse 35, now he turns his, his prophecy toward Mary. Yea, can you just see his face? as he looks down into the sweet face of Mary and says, "'Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also.'" What does that mean? Well, God allowed him to see that one day this baby was going to die for the sins of the world, and Mary would see her son offered as God's sacrifice for that sin. And so he said, "'A sword is going to pierce through your own soul also.'" And then the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Remember, he's either savior or judge. And he will reveal the thoughts of men's hearts. Whether they've received him, whether they've received him in love, or whether they have rejected him and refused him and turned away his saving grace. Then we come to our last passage, and that's in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we have the wise men who rejoiced to see him. Interesting, we'll go through this quickly. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What was this star? By the way, how many other people in the word of God saw the star? I believe just they saw the star. I believe it was a special phenomenon For their benefit, these wise men are from uh, nations of the east, perhaps Persia, but it was a Gentile nation. God gave a special sign to the Gentile nations that the Messiah was born. How would they know of the Messiah? Well, some have suggested, you remember Daniel was uh, in captivity for all those years. Some have suggested that they had copies of Daniel's writing, and they were able to understand it, and they were looking for this promised Messiah. And so um, if you remember, the book of Daniel kind of gives a pretty good calendar of events, all right? <clears throat> and so perhaps that's where uh, they received the information and they knew where to look and knew when to watch. And, uh, but they were the uh, influential men of learning and authority, the skilled scientists of their day, skilled in philosophy and science and medicine, And astrology, they were probably of the priestly order of Persia and they were probably ministers and advisors to Persian leaders. Uh, And they had a most unusual um, uh, journey. They were led by a star, some kind of atmospheric phenomenon that only they could see because apparently Herod didn't see it. All right. And uh, it led them to Jerusalem and apparently it stopped there. And you'll notice that they do go in uh, to see King Herod. Obviously, this would be the place this, this uh, promised child would be born. Here is in a, in a king's palace in a royal family. Obviously, this is where they would find the babe. And uh, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art not the least uh, among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently that the to- when the time of the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also." Can you hear the hiss of the serpent? Yeah. Ah, so the wise men faithfully searched for Jesus. And so when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, what happened? The star appeared again, which they saw in the east went before them, and notice the next verses till it came and stood over the very house where the young child was. This was a special phenomenon sent from God, and God gave them explicit direction. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed into their own country another way apparently the the wise men did not expect the supernatural sign to appear again hence they were relying upon the direction from king herod but when they began their journey a second time they were given the star that star reappeared and gave them direction and <clears throat> they faithfully sought To find the Messiah. And God honored their effort. God always honors effort for those who seek his son. And uh, imagine, Bethlehem was only six miles away from Jerusalem. Let me share a verse with you. And uh, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, listen carefully. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. Jesus is not hidden. Jesus is not hidden. And uh, he is easily identified. And the wise men found him. Certainly they didn't expect to find this king as a humble child in a humble setting. Uh, They found the child. uh, They didn't find him in a king's house. Uh, They thought he'd be the child of, uh, um, of royalty and splendor. And they expected him to be known by all, but he was not. Only shepherds. And then, how unlike what they found. They found common parents in a humble house. And um, none. (coughs) We need to note that uh, they did give this child worship. They identified they knew who this this child was. And they gave him worship. And they gave him gifts. And Matthew records that they bowed down and worshipped the newborn king. And you know, they didn't worship Herod, did they? They didn't give him worship, but they did this little baby, this child. And God blesses those who seek the Lord. So if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, seek the Lord while he may be found. It's important that you receive Christ as Savior. And if you know Christ as Savior, rejoice in that this Savior is coming again in clouds of great glory. And he's going to come and receive you unto himself that where he is, they, there you may be also. What a promise. All right, let's let our choir members be dismissed. We'll stand and be dismissed in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for the message of the day. We thank you for the promise of your word, and we look so forward to meeting Jesus in the air and knowing that our future is secure in him. We pray for those who may have never received Christ as Savior. May they not stumble over Jesus Christ. May they receive him with open heart. We ask you to bless in the hour to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.